1: I love the Raiders, and most of all, I love to win.
2: There's
3: been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up, and holding that trophy up here, The prime
4: thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football.
5: You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashaun Reed, and Ted Nguyen on The Athletic Podcast Network what's up everybody welcome back to state of the nation here on the athletic podcast network the presenting sponsor for today's episode of state of the nation is visa a network working for everyone i'm jimmy durkin we've got dick tafer deshaun reed ted wind getting you set for the raiders at three and zero, taking on the los angeles chargers down in la and to help us do that we've got our chargers beat writer daniel popper uh check out all of his work here at the athletic uh, pop how you doing today
3: doing great thanks for having me on guys
5: yeah, I mean, Monday night football in L.A., uh, I think should be a fun environment. Obviously, Raiders uh, fans are probably going to fill that place up pretty well. I know Raider fans always expect that uh, that L.A. is essentially another home game for them with all their history there. The Chargers are coming off of an impressive win. They went to Arrowhead, and they really were able to, to slow down that Chiefs passing attack. They were able to prevent Patrick Mahomes from getting out of the pocket and making big plays they're close to being a 3 and 0 team obviously they lost to the cowboys but just what do you make of the chargers so far uh, as we sit here in you know 3 weeks in and and the chiefs are in last place in the AFC west and we've got uh, you know three other teams playing really well
3: yeah i think so far they've proven that they're a really solid team i don't know if i would go as far as to say that they're great or have solidified themselves as a playoff contender just because there are some holes in the roster some holes in in how they play um, that have sort of jumped out early on. But when you go into Arrowhead and win the way that they did to have the kind of defensive game plan they did and to execute it at the level they did, um, that's obviously really impressive. Penalties have been a bit of an issue here through the first three weeks. They've had two touchdowns called back for illegal shifts. Obviously, Joe Lombardi bringing that offense over from the Saints. There's a ton of motion involved in there, and st- they're still ironing some things out. But when you have the quarterback, everything else <laughs> becomes really easy. And, and number 10, Justin Herbert, is the real deal. And I only think he's going to get better as he moves forward, learns more about what defenses are trying to do against him and gets more comfortable in the scheme, gets more comfortable with the offensive line in front of him, obviously four new starters up there. So a ton of talent. Brandon Staley's doing an excellent job, but I still think they have a little bit of a ways to go before they really cement themselves as, you know, that kind of contender everyone is talking about them like.
4: And for me, the biggest surprise with the Raiders is their depth. I thought it wasn't very good, but obviously it stepped up. What's the biggest surprise for you so far with the uh, with the Chargers?
3: I think it's how fast this offensive line has come together, particularly in the running game. You know, like I mentioned, four new starters, obviously left tackle Rashawn Slater, the first-round pick. They signed two new guards in free agency, a new center in free agency, and Corey Lindsley. Brian Belaga was the only returning starter. He's already on IR with the back injury, and Storm Norton is there. He barely played last year, so it's a brand-new offensive line. And the run blocking has looked really solid. I know they're not running the ball a lot. Who would run the ball a lot when you have Justin Herbert and these passing weapons? But when they have ran the ball, it's been really connected. And I think that sort of starts with Corey Lindsley, who's an all-pro center. Um, but Rashawn Slater is the real deal. And they are running behind the left side of their line with Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, and Corey Lindsley. And they're opening up a ton of holes. And, and it's really a credit to Corey Lindsley, who's sort of bringing that whole group together. And then, obviously, you got to give credit to Frank Smith, offensive line coach, former Raiders coach there, who's done a great job coaching that group. And then assistant uh, offensive line coach Sean Strett, who they brought over from the Steelers. I mean, it was a, it was a priority this offseason. Their offensive line has been a disaster the previous two seasons, largely because of injuries. General manager Tom Telesco goes out and overhauls the whole group, and, and they're really coming together. And, and you only expect it to improve as
2: they play more together. So that's really what surprised me so far. I know things have gone pretty well for their defense overall. Something that kind of jumped out to me was, was a run defense. Um, I know, obviously, you know, Staley is known for stopping the pass first. Is that something that they just don't care about, or is that still a concern for them?
3: Yeah, particularly in that Chiefs game, they were tempting the Chiefs to run. It was bait. Like, they were like, we're going to put this light box in front of you. We're going to play, put a roof over the coverage and, like, run the ball five, six yards every play. Because in their mind, they were saying, okay, if it takes you, if it, if it takes Patrick Mahomes 12 plays and seven minutes to score a touchdown, like, that's a win. You know, they're trying to avoid the knockout punches. And I wrote this in the, in the film review. Basically, they're like, we'll take the jabs. We'll take the body blows as long as we can avoid that knockout punch. And they were able to do that now against the Cowboys was a little bit of a different story. I think they wanted to play better against the run. They knew the Cowboys were going to come in there and try and run the football against them with Zach Martin coming back off the COVID list. And they did not do a good enough job there. Jerry Tillery got manhandled. I didn't think Lynn Ball Joseph played a very good game. So the run defense is a concern, but in their mind, like if they can prevent the explosive classes, they're going to give themselves a chance to win with how much talent they have on offense. But I think it will lead to a loss at some point. Now, what I'll add here is that they've been missing Justin Jones. He's one of their better run defenders, and he's been out with a calf injury that he suffered in that, in that first week. And that's been an issue because Jerry Tillery is being forced to take on a ton of double teams, and he's just not strong enough, not good enough in the run front to take on as many double teams as he's, as he's taking on. So Justin Jones will be back this week. With him back in there, I think the run defense will improve. But you're looking at, like, down the road, they go up against the Ravens, they go up against the Browns. They're going to have to stop the run at some point. They're not just going to keep going up against these explosive passing offenses. Um, I think at some point it's going to come back to bite them. So I think that's a really good point.
1: Last year, Justin Herbert exploited a really bad Raider secondary that blew a ton of coverages. I think the secondary is a little more solid this year. Uh, but, but even then, I, I think the only way to really stop Justin Herbert is pressuring with four and, Uh, You said Brian Blaga is on IR right now. How how is Storm Norton holding up? And and how do you see the matchup with him and and possibly Max Crosby or Ngakwe going? It's been
3: really up and down. You know, he went out in that Washington game and replaced Brian Blaga in the second half and like performed really well against Chase Young and Montez Sweat. He gave up the one sack fumble, which probably wasn't really a sack fumble. But that was really the only glaringly bad rep of the game. Then he goes out against the Cowboys. They put Micah Parsons at defensive end. And it's a disaster. I mean, he gives up nine pressures and he has – he looks completely lost out there. Now what they would tell you is, well, Micah Parsons had no tape out there. He had nothing to study in terms of, you know, pass rush game plan, moves, any of that stuff. That, to me, seems like an excuse. It just seemed like he didn't have a very good game. Comes out in week three and goes up against Chris Jones on a number of snaps and, like, holds his own, gives up one pressure. But Justin Herbert, who's fantastic under pressure, hits Mike Williams for that 20-yard touchdown on the right sideline. So it ended up not leading to a negative play you're just looking for more consistency from him. I think it's a really big step that he showed that kind of response after the type of game he had against Micah Parsons. But if there is a weak point on this offensive line, it is at right tackle. They gave him a ton of help in that game. And I think that's what they're going to do. Keeping you know moving forward. Just a lot of chip help from running backs. They'll put Jared cook over there and chip with a tight end. They'll chip with Gabe neighbors, the fullback just to give him help and give him, some breaks but max crosby's playing at a super high level man like he's i i love him i think he's a fantastic player and so that's absolutely a matchup to watch like will storm norton show up which which version of him will show up right the one in the cowboys game who got abused by Micah parsons or the one who can go toe-to-toe with chase young and chris jones
1: i wonder if he struggles with speed more more than power
3: yeah absolutely i think that's a great point and you know because Micah parsons is a like freak athlete just so twitchy and i think he had some trouble there and, um, you know, did better against Chris Jones, who's obviously like a bigger body, more powerful. So I think that's a that's a good observation.
5: Everybody knows about Keenan Allen, and we know about that connection with Justin Herbert. You wrote a great story a few weeks ago about that. But Mike Williams, I mean, here's a guy that was a top 10 pick, high expectations, and you've just been kind of waiting for this guy to emerge. And through three games, uh, you especially saw him, uh, what he did against the Chiefs. I mean, it, it looks like they don't just have – You know, Herbert and Allen, they've got Herbert, Allen, and Mike Williams now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was the vision, right? You spend the seventh overall pick on a wide receiver. The vision is that he becomes a superstar. A lot of it was injuries. Like, he battled a lot of injuries early on in his career. He had a back thing. He had a knee thing. It just prevented him from being, you know, the type of player that they expected. But some of it is usage. Some of it is a coaching staff having the vision for a player and seeing the talent and saying, okay, we're going to lean into this. The previous coaching staff did not do that. Mike Williams was basically a 50-50 ball guy down the field. But Brandon Staley remembers Mike Williams playing against Alabama when he was at Clemson. He's talking to us about this on Monday. You know, he remembers Mike Williams making that leaping catch down the sideline in the fourth quarter against the Broncos when Staley was the outside linebackers coach there. And he, when he takes this job, says, I remember all this, and I know Mike Williams can be one of the best receivers in football. So instead of like, just making him a go-route guy, Let's add a bunch of slants to his game. Let's make him a focal point of the offense. Let's put him at X. Let's incorporate him into the RPO game with advantage looks. If we see him one on one, we're going to throw him the football. And that vision. And then it's also telling Mike Williams, listen, we have the confidence in you to be this type of player. And so you combine all that together. And then Justin Herbert on top of that saying this off season, like we need to get Mike the ball more. Period. And I mean, he told me that when I sat down with him. He said it in press conferences. Like he's like, this guy is too talented to not be a factor in the, in the short and intermediate area of the field. And that's what you're seeing. It's a quarterback who wants to get him the football. And it's a coaching staff that has the vision to make him a focal point of the offense. And there's very few corners in the league that can guard him on a slant route one-on-one. He's just too big. He's six four, two twenty, Um, And I think you're seeing his route running come to life on, and seeing him operate in that short and intermediate area of the field in the way that he just hadn't in previous offenses with the chargers.
1: Why didn't you tell us this before our fantasy drafts?
3: I was tweeting about it because Joe Lombardi, bat, like when he first took the job and he did his one of his one of his first press conferences, he's like, "Yeah, so Michael Williams is going to be playing the Michael Thomas role, and uh, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on him having a huge statistical season." So. I tweeted that quote out. Everyone should have gone straight to the election, but bet the, bet the over on Mike Williams' receiving yards.
2: <laughs> Last thing I had, I, I saw something that kind of jumped out to me in the Chiefs game was, was just how aggressive Staley was, particularly on offense, you know, going for touchdowns late in the game. I know some of that had to do with the wind and, and some of the conditions there, but that's something from, as somebody from that Fangio tree, he's usually a pretty conservative guy this is really our first time seeing Staley kind of having complete control like this, you know, where does that kind of aggressiveness come from? Is that something that's been consistent with him or was it just kind of particular to that game?
3: I think you bring up some important context that's sort of been lost in the conversation around that fourth and nine decision. Like the wind was vicious. Like you go watch the tape and you will just see like streamers and napkins just moving all over the camera. Like it was 20 mile per hour winds cutting across the field. They basically have a rookie kicker Tristan in You know, he'd already missed two extra points in the game. Like they weren't going to throw him out there and, and, Be like, all right, we're going to trust this rookie kicker to again in one of the biggest games of the season. Like they're like, okay, we'd rather trust Justin Herbert, our best player. So that's been lost a little bit. But I think at the same time, he is going to be a very aggressive coach. Like this is an analytically minded guy. And and I think this was a really key moment for him because in his intro press conference and all throughout the spring and summer, like I'm asking him about, okay, like what's the analytics staff look like? I know you want to you know, he said they wanted to bolster it. They added a, a new analytics employee that they hired from UVA, 22-year-old kid. So he put his money where his mouth is in that sense. But my caveat was always, okay, you can say that you like analytics. You can say that you're going to model win probability. You can say that you're going to lean into the numbers. That's all great to say in a press conference. You're saying what everyone wants to hear, but what's going to happen when you you face a fourth and four in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs? What are you going to do in that situation? And I think he proved that he really believes in this that he's going to be aggressive. And I think it's it's not that complex of an idea, right? He knows that Justin Herbert is his best player. And so he's going to live and die by Justin Herbert. Why wouldn't you do that? Like it's not, you don't have to like pour into the numbers and look over win probability models. Like it boils down to that simple fact. This is our best player and we are going to either win with him or lose with him. And I think that's a really sound decision-making process.
5: All right, Pop, man, we really appreciate your time. We're looking forward to Monday night. Uh, it's going to be a fun one down in L.A., uh, bright lights and everything, and we'll see who can, uh, who can emerge. Uh, I mean, the, the AFC West is tight. Like we said, the Chiefs are in last place uh, through three weeks, and uh, they've got some work to do. But uh, the, whoever wins this game uh, will, will be in pretty good shape uh, after four weeks. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing that one on Monday.
3: Awesome. Thanks
0: for having me, guys. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
5: All right. Well, I mean, this is a big game. We know it. Uh, I mean, the, the Chargers, they're, they're going to have momentum coming off of that impressive win over the Chiefs. And, um, you know, one thing that, that Daniel wrote uh, in a film review that um, was interesting is, is how much they varied from what their defense had been in the previous two games when they faced the Chiefs. I think they went into, you know, man coverage like four times as much uh, against the, the Chiefs and went 68.4%. Their snaps against the Chiefs were in man coverage after only going for like 18% throughout. You know, this is a Chargers defense that, you know, people do, they have an idea of, of the kind of stuff that the Staley and Fangio defenses like to run. But um, it's going to be a good challenge for the Raiders who have a passing game that's really rolling right now. And we'll see. As Popper mentioned, yeah, they, they against the Chiefs, they dared Kansas City to run the ball. The Raiders have not run the ball well. But, I mean, they are a team. They have a coach that does like to run the ball. If they get Josh Jacob back, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get that running game going.
4: Yeah, I think we've seen uh, John Gooden do a nice job this year with the play calling. I mean, last week he used uh, motion a lot to beat the man coverage the Dolphins had. So, I'm sure he'll be ready for man or zone. And, like you said, he wants to run the ball. I think it's uh, surprising, like, a little bit. I guess he's chosen to go with Peyton Barber over Kenyon Drake, but Peyton's done a good job with the pass protection. And I just think uh, he's, you know, more of an inside runner than, than Kenyon is, so... Uh, ideally for him Josh Jacobs is back this week he practiced yesterday so I imagine they will lean on the running game a lot more than they have so far this this season
2: yeah I think you know I don't want to say like they should establish the run or kind of the old school kind of approach or you know get overly you know into it if it's not working but I definitely think it's important for them to make that a part of their offense this week just because of the nature of their charges defense with a lot of too high safety looks you know they kind of limit a lot of those explosive passing plays that the Raiders have kind of been living off of in these first three games and so I know Derek Carr, you know, he hasn't been concerned, as concerned about his completion percentage this year. And You know, they've kind of had some inefficient starts so far this season. But, you know, I think they can maybe fall into a trap of having more mistakes this game, more turnovers or not hooking up on those deep shots as, as often just because of the nature of the Chargers defense. And so I think to keep them honest a little bit, they kind of have to, you know, if those five or six yard gains are there, you kind of have to take those. And I know, it's, you know it worked out for them against the Chiefs, but, you know, I don't think you can get away from that too much in this game.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, the Raiders have been the opposite of what they have been in the past. They they like you said they've lived off those explosive games. This defense is built to limit explosive games. So really, Derek Carr and the Raiders can go back to what you know they've they're comfortable with. They could go to the short passing game, hit Darren Waller on those choice routes, and just drive down the field and take what the defense gives you. But I also wonder if Staley is willing to take more chances if the Raiders keep taking those five, six yard games. And if they could run the ball against this front, which I think they should be able to, especially if Josh Jacobs gets back to, they might force an adjustment. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. And the way the Raiders been playing, they kind of attack you with different styles of play, which um, is going to benefit them going against this style of defense that could kind of evolve game to game.
5: Here's one area where we're not going to get into criticizing free agency moves and all that kind of stuff uh, when the team's 3 and 0 but if we want to talk about why we were skeptical of the Kenyon Drake signing you know this is part of it that and not even necessarily an issue with Kenyon Drake even though you know the fact that they had to take him out of the game and bring in Peyton Barber because he was struggling with pass protection is is a concern but that's kind of the idea is that Backup running backs usually can be had and can be found. And you're seeing right now that, I mean, they spent all that money on Kenyon Drake and when Josh Jacobs gets hurt. It's a guy that they grabbed off of a practice squad that they're able to plug in there as a starter.
4: We joked about it last week. The Raiders are so good now. You use first round picks and uh, freezing signings for depth. It's all about depth, quality depth. But obviously I'm sure they figured uh, Drake would be a little better than he has been so far. I mean, um, but Again, this team is weird. Like the you know, guys who don't step up to the roles you're supposed to get you know, fulfill, f- other guys do. And Peyton Barber's a guy who you know, off the practice squad in Washington, bounced around a little bit. Was worried about his, his you know future in the league when he got, when it happened when the wa- Washington cut him. We he, he signed him, but uh, been really really good. I mean, he's a guy who's kind of like the more carries he's gotten as the game's gone on, the better he's gotten, which is what you want in that kind of running back. So uh, for the Raiders, it, it all works out this year.
1: They know how to gamble. They're in Vegas now. They, they just double up. They get two guys in the same position, and one of them works out, and the other one doesn't. I mean, well, let's talk a little bit about Derek Carr. Obviously, the
5: AFC Offensive Player of the Month. He leads the NFL in passing yards, averaging 400 yards a game. You know, and he talked about it, that it, it doesn't really mean anything, and he's right. I mean award for the first month of the season is, is pretty meaningless, but he is throwing the ball deep a lot more. Um, our buddy Josh had the stat uh, 8.1 attempts, I think per game of 20 yards or more, which is like basically double what his career average has been. The surprising thing is that his lowest ever number, I think was 3.6 attempts per game in 2016 when he was MVP candidate. I mean, and if you have a Henry rugs, if you have a Darren Waller, if you have the, these kind of players, uh, you should be attempting these deep passes, and they are.
2: Yeah, I also think it's kind of out of necessity uh, just because, you know, some of the injuries that they had up front and, and Jacobs being out. Up until last week, they hadn't had much success running the ball. And if you can't run and you're just dumping off a bunch of short passes, that makes it pretty easy for, for the defense to, to key in on what you're doing there. And so all the other options is to start start chucking it, really, and throw a bunch of times and, and spread it out all over the field. But, you know, obviously, you know, some of these rates may not be I don't think they're sustainable for, you know, a 17 game season, but um, it, it does seem like there's been a legitimate sort of mentality shift with Derek Carr. I think he knows that, you know, the man I say it, or, or you know, obviously Gruden and Mayock, I'm going to say it, but this is kind of his, his make or break year, you know, just with the way his contract is structured. Um, some decision has to be made in some form after this season. And so he's kind of just letting it go and letting it fly. And it's been working out so far.
1: It's really stunning how how he's doing it. You know, he's uh there's guys open short and usually in the past he would take those short passes, but he's like, he's letting them go. And he he's looking downfield. He's pump faking one way and trying to open up guys, throwing to the other uh, other. And, you know, he's making it a point to get these receivers balls deep and, you know, he's getting pressured and he's still holding on to the ball and, and making these throws. So it's a, it's really a stunning transformation. This, this latent to his career. And it's really, that aggression is bringing him up into that elite status of quarterbacks. If he can keep it up, you know, maybe not at this rate, but if he can still stay aggressive throughout the season, I really think, you know, you, we, ha- we have to stop. I mean, start talking to, about Derek Carr, the top 10 quarterback.
4: What's the big change this year? It's been the defense. They actually have a defense they have faith in. Yesterday, Derek kind of joked, like, it's okay to punt. Like, you know, you don't have to, you can take a shot down, feel it doesn't work, you can punt the ball, and not think that you give the team, you know, three or seven points right away. So, I just think last year kind of lost all those horrible losses they had in, in down the stretch of the defense crumbled, whereas Derek had some really nice drives to, to win games or put the team ahead late only to give the, the game right back when the defense got in the field. So I do think that you see the confidence that Gruden and Derek Carr have in the defense. They actually can take more chances. They can punt the ball. They can you know play the long game, whereas last year and the previous years was probably more desperation. Like, we, we got to – Protect the ball, we gotta like, you know, extend drive. We can't give them the ball back because we're gonna lose. And I think that, and they did, you know, three or four times uh, late last year.
1: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, The widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
5: Yeah, I mean the argument for the, the pro car people has always been give him a good defense, and you know there's the other argument that there are elite quarterbacks that have been able to elevate their teams without good defenses. So there's a fine line that you draw with Carr. I mean he. He obviously is 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 not in that quite top, top, top tier where it doesn't matter the circumstances around him. But, I mean, I think for, all, for us who have watched him a long time, you've always known he's a really good quarterback. You know, the idea of the Raiders trying to go out and, and go another route has always been, okay, sure, who the hell are you going to get that's going to be much better? And, I mean, when the ideas of, you know, a Tom Brady becoming available or an Aaron Rodgers becoming available, I mean, those are generational quarterbacks that if you don't explore the opportunities um, you're you're probably doing your team a disservice but for the most part I mean it's been funny as we've gone into every draft right and oh they're talking they're looking at this quarterback and I mean the idea of John Gruden going and drafting a rookie quarterback to be his Derek Carr replacement never I think has really been realistic because it's just Gruden doesn't have a history of being able to, to draft a quarterback especially like a you know a late round quarterback and turn him into a gem that's just not not what been what he's done i mean you look at his success the first time with the raiders it was with a guy in rich gannon who you kind of needed a fresh start and needed to to kind of have a a career resurgence and he did
4: yeah i think john wants experienced guys who can you know make adjustments in line scrimmage you can know the playbook forward and backward and kind of discuss with him with different possibilities and read defense really well and i think uh, one of the reasons he, he kept Derek on the last few years and because Derek's had a high high floor. Like the, the ceiling was always in question. But now the floor was always like, you know what, there's much worse out there than Derek Carr like if we get rid of Derek Carr and go get somewhere else, we're really rolling dice, to the guy is gonna might be worse. I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is that ceiling is starting to push higher. I think they've worked on Derek running with his feet more, getting up, you know, out of the pocket, making plays, extending plays, uh, letting plays develop down the field, taking more shots on deep balls. So I think that ceiling is now starting to push higher and higher. The more he plays with John, I think that's why. It's a big reason why they're 3 0.
1: Gruden is not the easiest coach to play for as a quarterback either because he he wants to put in a high volume offense, as in, you know, you're going to have to put memorize 200 plays in the game plan, at least 200, you know, just based on listening to other coaches that have worked for Gruden talk. And not every quarterback's going to be able to handle that type of game plan, but Derek Carr is, is, is a very intelligent quarterback, and he can handle that type of volume, and he can handle adjusting those plays at the line of scrimmage. I think we have to give Gruden some credit because he's—I think he's really pushed Carr to work on the things that have been weaknesses in the past, like his ability to play under pressure and his aggression, like we talked about. And you know, with some continuity, this is his um, third year in offense, and he's. Um, he really understands what Gruden's trying to do. And, I, you know, I think this is part of what Mark Davis envisioned when giving, you know, Gruden a 10-year contract because he wanted continuity for Carr. And now they it looks like they have that strong coach and quarterback relationship that it could, they could build on for a long time. I think Mark Davis just loved
2: Gruden. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't, I don't think the, you know, for the Carr fans out there saying he, he needs a, a solid defense, I don't think that's such a, a terrible ask. I mean, like, the defense was was terrible for 10 years. <laughs> like, like it should not be that way. Like you should be able to build a team to at least get a decent defense out there. You know, he's not saying that he needs the the two thousand Ravens or anything like that, but I don't think that was a crazy ask. But you know, just looking solid on both sides of the ball or at least solid on both sides of the ball, you know, for the first time in a long time and then we're seeing the results.
5: All right, let's get to the mailbag here. Uh we'll start with this one from Justin C. Do you think Gus Bradley's familiarity with the Chargers offense Versus their familiarity with his defensive tendencies is more of an advantage for the Raiders or Chargers. You know, and I think we got to throw in some caveats here. Um, Obviously, Bradley has faced the personnel, a a lot of the personnel of the Chargers offense. But it is a new scheme. They've got a new coaching staff. You know, and for the Chargers coaching staff, I mean, that's a, that's a new coaching staff. So, you know, the offensive players kind of have an idea of, of the Bradley scheme. And the Bradley scheme has been around for so long that I think most people in the NFL are pretty familiar with it. But so I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, I, the idea with the, with the different coaching staffs and, you know, the fact that there has been some turnover in the Chargers offense, especially up front with their uh, offensive line, I, I don't know how much uh, how much of an advantage there is either way.
4: It might help with, like, terms of tendencies, in terms of Herbert and what he might think he's going to do or what he's looking for in terms of his reads and progression. So that, I can see that helping. But you're right, it's definitely, it's, it's, a lot has changed, even in the past year. And I think as far as them being ready for Gus, like you said, Gus, the defense is not uh, super complex. It's like they're going to run different zones, and it's just a matter of how fast they're playing. They're playing a lot faster and a lot looser, and that's been the big difference for them. So, I mean, I guess you can try and prepare for the speed of the Raiders' defense, but again, I don't think it's going to be a huge factor either way in, in this game.
5: To me, the biggest factor might be a guy like you know Casey Hayward. You know, he's not going to be surprised by the velocity on a Justin Herbert pass, Herbert's a guy I think that until you go against him, you, you're not really sure kind of how that ball comes out. He's going to have a lot of experience, so he might be the guy that probably has the most advantage going into this game. That he knows what the ball's like coming out of that hand of Herbert. All right. Question here from Jeremy P. What happens with Barber when Jacobs comes back? Has he earned a role where he comes in to start a couple series himself while also spelling Jacobs when he needs to come off the field? Or are we just d- doing away with Kenyon Drake?
2: Because the other thing is is Jalen Richard, he practiced this week for the first time since the season started as well. And so he's typically their third down back. And, you know, he's, you know, strong pass blocking running back. And he has a lot of trust with Carr in, in the passing game. And so... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Barber is even. I think that's more so the struggle is like Rashard or Barber when it comes to that third down back role.
1: Barber, you know, he he's played well, but when Jacobs comes back, I can't see him really. You know, maybe he gets three carry three carries, but Jacobs is going to take a bulk of the carries, and you know they paid Drake a ton of money, so he's going to be the spellback, and then you have Rashard who could play third downs and he's really good at pass blocking too. It's hard to see where Barber kind of fits into all of that you yeah, will imagine all four of those guys being active, right?
4: No, I'll probably stash one on the, the practice squad. Like, last year, they had, you know, theoretic in the, in the squad all year long. It'll probably be a role uh, for, I imagine, Barber. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with Gruden, you never know. I mean, he definitely, he's become a huge fan of, of Peyton Barber. his running style, that's and, You know, he likes to, people say he gets too conservative at the end of the game. But that's the kind of guy he wants to use in the fourth quarter is Peyton Barber, a guy who, like, gets a tough yards, keeps pounding, and gets, you know, a couple yards after contact and trying to run the clock down. So, I'm not totally sold Peyton Barber's going to go away. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens.
5: You didn't believe Gruden when he told you Peyton Barber was going to be the guy.
2: <laughs> I did believe him either, shit.
5: <laughs> uh, I got one question here I'm going to use from Twitter from uh, Shashi. Uh, he says, ask Vic why he keeps doubting Carr and picking against him again this week. Has he been hanging out with Debo recently?
4: I don't think I've been doubting Carr. I think... Um... I'm definitely skeptical of the Raiders in general. I mean, I'm jaded. I've been doing this eleven years. I've seen a lot of bad things in my day. So it's, it's, it takes me a lot longer to jump on the bandwagon than everybody else. Especially when I'm a big guy. He's good. But um, so I, I pick against them, but I pick them to cover the spread in a couple, a couple cases. So it's not totally uh, me being the hater like other people. So I, I disagree. I, I'm not anti. I'm not anti-car. I'm not a car stand, as like they say. But I'm definitely somewhere in the middle, probably towards the higher end. On that range. All right.
5: Since Josh was mentioning that question, uh, we'll we'll keep it going. Uh, we know Josh listens to these shows and and loves getting mentioned here. Uh, from Josh Raymond, loves
4: his name. From Raven
5: Q. Debo seems to be nicer lately on Twitter. Was he just a frustrated Raiders fan all along? A sleeper agent? I think you know. <laughs> this is where, kind of give you the boring answer that uh, you know, Josh loves stats. I think everybody knows that he he enjoys looking up stats when a team's doing well the stats tend to reflect more favorably on the team and the players when a team's doing poorly when they're losing the stats tend to reflect more poorly on the team Josh loves to lean in and, and find random stuff to be negative when he can't you know he Josh is he, he's he, he has fun with what he does and uh but I mean hey, hey when you're doing well um, that's what the the numbers are going to reflect generally.
4: I have a different take. I think Josh is an <laughs> evil social media savant. He like realized he had taken the anti-car thing as far. As, when, when Derek called him out, and they're laughing, but after that one game, and I think Josh realized, you know what? I got to turn this thing around one hundred and eighty. I think I'll go the other direction as fast as I can, and to kind of get the maximum uh, airtime or whatever name dropping from his tweets. So I think Josh is. Uh, it's all been an evil plan on his part to promote his own brand.
5: All right. Uh, question from Aaron B. At this point, do the Raiders regret drafting Cleveland Furl over someone else like Devin White or Brian Burns? And why isn't he being used inside on pass rushing downs? I've heard that idea thrown around by people like Lincoln Kennedy and Ted. So Ted, you're in good company there. Loving the new defense, but it's a shame that he doesn't seem to be a great fit anywhere.
2: You got to just take what you're getting from the team. Of course they regret it. <laughs> of course they regret it. What are you talking about? Like, no, they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're great. what well, we got out of our number... Of course. He's
5: the number what eight defensive anyway, line, you know.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, Max Max Crosby has the most pressures in the league still, Out, I think. Like, Unique Ngakwe is up there. I mean, they're, they're getting some stuff from Carl Nassib and Solomon Thomas. And, I mean, there's not... Both inside and outside, they're, they're getting pretty good production right now. I mean, injuries can happen. You know, it's a long season. Uh, knock on wood, but uh, or maybe some guys tail off as as the year goes on. But I mean, there's no reason to just throw him out there just because. I mean, I know he's making a lot of money, and like you know, it sucks to to eat money and then not get much out of it. But I mean, guys are guys are playing well in front of them right now.
1: If they drafted Brian Burns, who a lot of people had over way over Clinton Ferrells in their rankings they would have Brian Burns, Max Crosby, and maybe instead of spending that money on Ngakwe, they spend that money on a guy like Leonard Williams inside and a D-line's better. So, you know, like, of course, they're going to regret drafting a guy that's like eighth on their depth chart, you know, number fourth overall. So it's, uh, you know, it's just like these mistakes that have hurt the Raiders the, the past few years. And, you know, right now they're they're able to kind of get past it. But, you know, you just hope in the future that they could just stop reaching. So we'll, we'll see what happens.
4: To me, regret's a harsh word, man. I mean, it's funny. But maybe, they're like, they're hopeful that things get better in the long run. And I think, uh, and again, they're drafting for depth. So I think he's uh, probably the best, you know, number, number, <laughs> number, number eight AD lineman, yeah, number get the number lineman eight. in the league. <laughs> but, and he's trying. He's definitely still being, he's definitely, I think, his spirits are up. He's trying to be, a, you know, he plays, like, what, 15 steps a game and, I can use make some plays here and there, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go optimistic and kind of positive vibe, and they're hopeful that the, his potential somehow comes through the next couple of years.
5: I mean, I think ask the question of why he you don't have him rushing inside on passing downs. I don't think he's better than Darius Philon. I don't think no, he's better Phylon. than Quentin Jefferson. I don't think he's better than Solomon Thomas. I mean, they've got they just have he's not one of their best players. He's not one of their best players for that role. I mean, they have guys that are better than him and. Uh, you know, you, you got to give credit to them that they're kind of ignoring the draft us and just saying, we're going to go with the players that are better.
4: Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's definitely a, a, a thing we talk about a lot. It's like definitely John doesn't care. Gruden, you know, he want, if, as long as we win, he doesn't care who they win with. I mean, he isn't like, he's not so bound to these guys are going to play no matter what. And I think one of the reasons they kept talking about Klee's ability to play inside was because he wasn't getting it done outside. So they can't just say, you know what? Oh, we're screwed, man. We're, we're fucking we're blew it. We're gonna move on. They got no, you know, we're gonna move him inside. He can see he's you know, versatile. He can do all this stuff. So that's just a nice way of saying, you know, the, the place we drafted him for it wasn't working. We gotta do something. We gotta do something else. So now they got other guys to do that. So it's like, where does he fit in? And uh, at this point, it's uh, on the back end of the line. But he's the
1: best number eight defensive lineman in the league.
4: Probably. If that's the pool, if that's the pool <laughs> from this thing, I'm gonna be pissed. I was trying to be nice. And then it sounded a lot meaner than it was.
5: All right. Prediction time, guys. Raiders, Chargers, the quote unquote home game in LA. Uh, I mean, this can be their first time in SoFi Stadium for the regular season with fans. Obviously, they went to SoFi preseason against the Rams and and had a big following there. The first regular season game in the brand new stadium in LA with fans. We'll see what it, what it's like. Who wants to go
2: first? See, I keep getting locked into this because we make our experts picks like, Almost immediately after the game's over Sunday. <laughs> so like, we, I have we, no we allow you to room. deviate from your expert pick. Here. No, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stick with my word, man, whatever I come through. But uh, no, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders this week. I have it being another like nail biter. I think I picked them. going to go with 28 27. I think, you know, they, they won a, a similar tight one without, obviously without fans uh, last year against the Chargers on the road. Uh, and pretty much all the games so far this year have been pretty tight, but I think their defense is, you know, you know, I don't think you're going to shut down Herbert in that offense, but I think they'll make enough timely stops, you know, to kind of keep it from getting out of hand on that end. And then, you know, I think they should be able to run the ball pretty well. I mean, the Chargers have been the worst run defense in the league. So and they're coming off of 140 last week. And so you you would think the Raiders would be able to run the ball, especially if Jacobs plays. And maybe they don't have as many explosive passing plays with the nature of this Chargers defense. But I'm pretty confident in their, in their offense at this point. And while I don't think their defense is going to you know, play lights out against the Chargers, I think they'll be solid enough gonna make enough stops to end up pulling this, pulling this one out.
5: I'm going to take the Raiders too. I think uh, with all the attention going to Derek Carr, player of the month, all that, I think you might see the, the Chargers go with similar game plan as what they did against the Chiefs. They, they're going to look at them similarly. They're going to you know, see Darren Waller as the Travis Kelsey that they want to limit the big plays. They're going to see Henry Ruggs as a Tyreek Hill. That they're going to want to limit the explosives. They're going to do that same thing where they're going to dare the Raiders to run because the Raiders have not run the ball well. And I think this is the game where the, the running game does explode. I mean, yeah, Peyton Barber ha- had a nice second half uh, in week three against the Dolphins and got over a hundred yards, but still, you know, it wasn't like they came out of the gates running the ball. Well, I think this is a game, especially if they get Jacob's back that they do run the ball really well and maybe more of a pedestrian stat line for Derek Carr, maybe a 250 yard kind of day. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go for like 150, 160 yards on the ground and uh And uh, Raiders win it, uh, we'll go
1: 31-28. I think the Raiders can pull this game off 34-31. But the one guy that I'd be scared to death of is Joey Bosa, because he could just wreck this game, especially with the weakness on the right side of the line and the injuries at guard. There are times where he's rushing inside a little bit more, too. Gruden has been pretty good at scheming up ways to stop some top pass rushers and i think just him and cable have uh been really good with their protection plans. so I-, I think they might be able to find a way to limit him but yeah i mean he- he's just the-, the x factor that could just re- wreck this game for the raiders but if they can find a way to control him i do think that they'll find ways to move the- move the ball against this uh, defense and it's gonna be one of those games where whoever has the ball last is gonna win but you know i, I think the raiders could pull it off 34 31 Vic's
4: gonna be the bad guy I was going to say, as the anti-car Raiders hater, my pick is obvious. I'm going to go uh, with the Chargers, 27-23. I think they've won despite uh, O-line struggles. I think the o has not been great the first three games. I think that's going to be a problem. I'm not sold on the running game being able to break through this week. Uh, and obviously, we talked about Mike. how good Mike Williams has been. They don't have Isaiah Johnson anymore. Isaiah Johnson the Mike Williams stopper, is no longer on the roster. That's a big hole, so... Uh, <laughs> Isaiah
5: Johnson is the X-Factor in this game. He Does is. It is
4: I mean, look at so, this, is he on a roster? Who, I mean, who, where's I mean, he at? Ted, Ted's Mr. Film Watcher. You never mentioned this. We watched the film last year. Isaiah Johnson saved the game. Isaiah Johnson not on the roster anymore, so... For that reason, I'm going with, with the, the Chargers. With the Texans,
5: huh?
4: 27-23 Chargers. I, I apologize to all the Raider fans for my... My evil pick. Damn, Vic said they can't run against the
2: worst run defense in the league. That's tough. Goodness. Can they work
5: out a trade with the Texans? To bring back Isaiah Johnson. Uh, is, let's see. Uh, he's on the Texans. Is he on the, the actual team or the practice squad? Oh, i can not sure.
4: I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah, t- be practice squad. Practice
5: squad. So sign. I, all you got to do yes. is just flip Vic around to a Raiders win is sign Isaiah Johnson off the Texans practice squad.
4: Bring back Rodney Hudson. And then I'll change my pick. Those two things, I'll switch my pick. I don't think
5: Rodney Hudson's coming back, but he wanted out, guys. And if he asked for a trade, so he wanted that—that—that that, that actually killed me last week. because everyone? You, there's nothing you could do. He wanted out, guys. Um, Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay this offseason. season. Who, who's who's Aaron Rodgers playing for right now? Xavier Howard asked for a trade from the Dolphins. Um, who who did Xavier Howard play for last week? I think the Dolphins.
4: I still think Andre James will be fine. He's not played well so far, but I think I get why well, he did it. He's a young guy, trying to build a young line. So um, my concerns are more like in the Bosa end of things, how they're going to stop Bosa, I think. Um, but uh, I think it'll be a close game. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders won and were 4-0. Did you know that I was looking at the – like again, Mr. I was trying to be not so negative. I looked at the uh, possibilities. If they win this week and they win next week, so they're 5-0, no Raiders team has ever been 5-0. Be the first team in the history of the franchise – be five and oh so that's also very possible
5: if they go four and oh entering that home game uh welcome khalil mac to uh to vegas uh man that place will be popping and i mean they'll, they'll be favored in that game and then uh could set up a, a fun matchup in denver and they got a chance to go on a roll i mean if they if they win this game they got a chance to go on a nice little roll here all right guys that'll wrap up this episode of state of the nation uh Look forward to talking to you on Tuesday morning is when we'll uh, come at you with the post-game show after the Raiders. Get back on Monday Night Football. Two times on Monday Night Football in the first four weeks. That's uh, that's pretty exciting for this organization. And uh, if they can get another primetime win, uh, they can really, uh, you know, they've been getting a lot of uh, good positive attention so far. If they can get another primetime win, that'll keep going.
4: We're not doing the live uh, midnight uh, podcast in time. Uh, no? After the game? Nah, no. Yeah. All right. All right, I'll tell them we're not coming. I have big plans. You could do a, a YouTube
5: Live uh, post-game. Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Me and Deshaun will be in Korea Town at midnight if you want to stop back.
5: I'll be there with you guys.
4: <laughs> ah, sweet. Come on, man. We'll make, make the dream happen.
5: All right, guys, we'll talk to you after the Raiders take on the Los Angeles
4: Chargers. Adios.